Welcome to the AV Podcast Games Edition. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums Gaming Podcast with me, Mark Bottright. Joining me this time are Steve, Ben and Steve. Good evening, gents. Hello. 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 Right, kicking things off with a um, bit of news. Rainbow Six Patriots. We've finally been given the, the trailer. Um, I'm assuming we've all seen it. Yep. Yep. Right, and now I know that Steve, in particular, you're you're a little bit excited about this one. Um, what did you make of the trailer? Still got your excitement yeah. levels peaking? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I've I've been reading quite a few previews of it as well in publications, and from what they've, they've shown, it, I mean, it looks fantastic. I mean, it... it it were a, a fantastic game on in this current generation anyway. I mean, if you look at Vegas and Vegas 2, I mean, what it did, it completely blew Call of Duty and other games out of water with what it offered to gamers and everything. Um, it's It just looks set to take that and just deliver a completely new game. I mean, the one criticism that a lot of people had of the old games was that it didn't really have a sort of, um, you know, a plot line and a story, narrative-driven focus, but this one aims to deliver, you know, Characters with a story. I mean, the basic story is your. I think it is your. Your family's been killed or kidnapped. I think, um, and you you're trying to find it. And one, it's set to be quite you know close you know to the home sort of game because it's aiming to like sort of like collateral damage as well because you, it says you can't avoid killing you know civilians and harming civilians. So it's going to be quite you know risque and you know it's going to be like nothing else out there. So you know it's it looks. Absolutely fantastic from what they've shown so far. Yeah, see, I mean, you know, every, everything you've described, I, I you know, I, I, I see there and, and I agree with. I suppose my only real uh, worry at the moment is from, you know, the pre-rendered, uh, you know, target footage that they released beforehand and this trailer. It it, it looks like they're, they're definitely trying to kind of hit close to home with the, the financial crisis and this... Um, you know these true patriots group, and it, it's um, it looks like it'll generate a fair few uh, headlines. You know, oh, definitely. I mean, it's like you say, it's definitely aiming at things that could happen now. I mean, with what's going on, someone could, you know, you know, just set up a terrorist group and you know try and take over America like this is set about. I mean, it's it's complete. It's good to see games that actually do this, <laughs> and games that actually don't get banned for doing it as well. Because there was a game that was supposed to be set in Iraq, which obviously is quite a, a touch and go subject anyway. But it's good to see sub, like subjects that could affect you on your doorstep right now, rather than you know being set somewhere else that's completely unrealistic. I mean, I'd I'd much rather play a game that happened outside my house, rather you know, than set somewhere you know in space or in future. If you understand that. Yeah, no, I understand that completely. Anyone else have any thoughts about the about the trailer? Did it? Did it? Get your juices flowing for the game, or or do you think it's it's just a kind of um, a bit of a provocative story to to get tongues wagging? I'm actually just watching the trailer now. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty um, pretty extreme, you know, and it, it's it's kicking off very much from the um, the enemy's perspective, and so it, obviously as as the trailers get released, you th- think you'll see more of your squad. But I suppose that part of the the story, that part of the the mechanic, has been seen so often that it's it's what can they do that puts kind of a new twist on it? Yeah, I mean, you know, very very cinematic, very engrossing this trailer. So, 
you know, you got to say it's off to a good start. Um, Want to see some gameplay based on this, though. It's pretty intense. What they've said as well is that it's um, you don't just get to play as your main character. You get to switch um, out of your character and play as, like, um, journalists reporting on, you know, the like latest terrorist attacks. So, I mean, that's something that I don't think any other game's done before. So you actually get to play the role of the journalist, and, you know, film footage and, you know, capture some good footage for the, like, news channels and what have you. So... I mean that's livening it up. I mean it, it'll look amazing as well. I mean it's I think it's running on an adapted Assassin's Creed engine. I think so. I mean Assassin's Creed looks brilliant. So this just this has to be you know a good looking game as well. Yeah, it looks exciting. Looks um, I'm seeing some of the gameplay now. It looks looks pretty fresh and interesting. Um, got all the ingredients you'd expect in a, an action game. So sign me up. Story-wise, it's um, it's all about kind of taking it to the one percent, right? It's all about the big corporates. Is that right, Steve? Uh, I'm not entirely. All I've seen is that about the family setting. I think it is, you know, trying to. I think it has that sort of, you know, background story, you know, about people trying to topple over the giants, you know, like you say. I think it is. It is. It's um, it's you know, it yeah. talks about um, cuts and um, I think it even mentions deficits or something or, or the other you know it, it's it's very much about um the attacks being against you know corporations and and the, these kind of i want to say the word nutters taken on uh you know the establishment it's it's like you know rogue states and religious extremism is is old hat these days and seeing from the way that kind of you know all the other fps's you know battlefield 3 and modern warfare 3 and it it they all tend to go down the same route. It's, I suppose, it's quite refreshing to see someone go down a, a more urban, a more normalised setting. You know, it's it's a story that's that's quite pertinent and quite close to home, as Steve said. It's interesting, it's re- isn't it, that um, it's it's 2013 release, isn't it? And if it gets delayed, I'd want I'll just wonder how sort of pertinent it will be at the time it comes out depending on, you know, what happens between now and then. I, I don't disagree with anything. It really appeals to me. I think it's I think it's a great idea to take this on uh, in a game and to kind of move away from, from what first-person shooters have done for ages. But I do wonder, you know, 2013, things might be a bit different then. It depends. It depends with how token it is as well. You know, do do video games really need to make a political statement? Do they need to think above their station as it were when essentially all they are is escapism you know it always seems to be uh one extreme to the other either the extreme bravado and chest beating of something like call of duty and then something like this which is maybe trying to make some kind of social commentary um as long as it's fun i don't really care <laughs> that's why you and i disagree I think, shooting Steve. civilians <laughs> no i i I do kind of agree there. I, I think it, to a certain extent, it, it could be making a general, uh, generally decent, you know, um, provocative statement. It could just be trying to provoke. I, if it gets enough headlines, you know, if you think of um, uh, the shooting up an air- airport, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Now that, imagine how many millions of copies that helped sell. You know, if if this gets, you know daily you know on on the front page of the daily mail or something it's gonna you know skyrocket sales and it's already got tongues wagging so i suppose it's it's ticked all the right boxes thus far 
Yeah, you have to have something which I suppose is going to put you in the public eye because ultimately gamers will care one way or another, but it's all the other casual people that flit in and out of gaming and people that don't even really care for gaming, but that somehow that coverage is still important to the powers that be. So fine, let them let them shoot high and, or rather, sorry, let them aim high and, and see what they hit. Yep, fair enough. So I, I suppose that's, you know, uh, an established... FPS trying to make inroads once again. Good enough place to move on to Modern Warfare 3. Um, unfortunately, Leon can't be with us this time, um, but he reviewed it for the site, so that review's up now for you to read. But those of us who have played it, how does it stack up against Battlefield 3 now? You talked about, you know, more um, accessible gaming and, and, you know, that kind of thing and trying to make a statement. Um, does it continue in the the with the law of diminishing returns, or, or does it kind of revitalise the series? Okay, I I like One Warfare 3. I think it's um, a good game. I think all of the people that were um, Infinity Ward loyalists and enjoyed Modern Warfare 2, but enjoyed panning Treyarch and their outings, such as Black Ops, I think this is a game that will put a smile on their face. Um, it does everything you'd expect a Call of Duty game to do. It adds uh, a few more features and other bits and bobs that weren't there before, which, okay, probably do add something to the series. But I think maybe maybe it's now me. Maybe I've changed in what I want from a, a first-person shooter and, and what I need. And uh, I, even, I even sold the game today. So I'm pro- probably not the mm. best person to... <laughs> To, to ask now whether it's uh, it's got longevity because for me personally I just didn't I didn't see myself playing that um, on a regular basis anymore because I I probably have fallen into the ba- Battlefield Three camp. So whereas before I was saying I was the guy saying you know what there's probably there's probably room in my life for both games a total U turn I think now I just once you start with all the stats and you're leveling up. I just don't see time for both for me. So I've called time on, on Modern Warfare 3. I think it's a great game. Uh, I'm interested to think uh, to hear what Steve thinks. I think they've pulled it off. It's not the, the title that kills off the series by any any stretch, but I think it's, it's probably coming to a point where they need to do something massively to shake it up or maybe call time on the series, which they'll never do because it sells by the bucket load. So I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, like you were saying, uh, Leon's as news reveal, it's it's a good game, but it's becoming predictable in what it does. I mean, Call of Duty has always been based around set pieces and linearity, and it's it does all that again in the single-player campaign. Uh, Battlefield 3 tried to do it, and I don't think the campaign in Battlefield 3 is anywhere as good as Modern Warfare is. Um, and, but then again, I've always been a more COD player than a Battlefield player. But I think I think Steve said it right there. I think this time around, I think you need to kind of set, you know, make your Ben Lane. It you're either a Modern Warfare fan or you're a Battlefield fan, because I mean I'll be no doubt playing it tonight. I mean I've been playing Modern Warfare now for the past four or five days online, um, because I've, I've finished single player and I don't really think I'm going to play it again. I mean I won't say no more, but it's got a really crap ending. The ending is, I mean the sequence is good, but the actual ending is absolutely crap um, but yeah the on- online is just what you'd expect um, it's a lot tighter than Modern Warfare 2 uh, 
it's a lot more balanced in what it gives you. You know, you can have your, you know, your assault strike package and your support strike packages and all that. Um, again, I'd rather play that online than Battlefield. I think that's probably says something more about me than the game. But um, yeah, it's it's good but predictable. And at, at launch, in fairness to them, at launch, this doesn't have uh, the level of glitches and exploits that previous. Uh, releases have had normally in years gone by the forums would be full of people moaning about glitches and and people people ruining the game and and that's not so much been an issue this time they seem to be quite um prompt with getting patches out and tweaking things so full credit to to uh, infinity world this time around um but it's still they still need to do something and i don't know what that is I don't know what it is to change, and and maybe it just means that the, this series has had its day and it's it's time to move on. But they'll still sell games by the by the truckload, so it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I've got a question. Yeah. Um, I'm not a, I'm not much of a first person shooter player, and I haven't got Modern Warfare three. I don't think I'm gonna get it either. But from what I've seen of it. You know, like each year with FIFA, there's a bit of an argument that happens these days to say, well, does this really justify a full release anymore? Can't you just have some kind of rolling, patching DLC thing? This is, when I've seen Modern Warfare 3 being played, to me, to my untrained eye, it looks a bit like Modern Warfare 2B or something. You know, I don't, single player aside, does it justify a full retail release? If you if you play COD, regularly then you are looking at this date in november every year is the the day that it's going to be refreshed for you you get a a ton of new maps a few new guns and most importantly a whole new set of levels to hit i I alluded to it a couple of weeks ago and sorry a couple of podcasts ago and these are these are just like the the role play games that millions of people play online like wow it's it's grinding out and it's it's trying to hit that next level so you get this next weapon so you can hopefully use that and then get even better and no one ever really sees a finish line in sight so it's just kind of it's not an addiction but it's it it, it can almost be an addiction if that makes sense it's almost like you're so stuck in a rut of doing it but you enjoy it even though there's probably an F ton of other games out there that are passing you by while you're playing this six hours a night. That doesn't yeah. sound that healthy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. These games, there's no way these games are, are good for gaming in general. There's no way. You know, there's, it doesn't bring anything to the table in the same way that Skyrim, which we'll obviously come to later, is is going to push a genre on. Like every every other game that comes now is. Every, every other RPG rather is going to have to look at that and say right there's certain things we're going to have to bring into our game now or do very very well to captivate that same audience because the bar's been set so high I think that's the future like you say I think FPS is starting to meet RPG with the uh, Deus Ex and things like Bioshock I think that's definitely a sort of Deus Ex isn't a first person shooter how many times do I need to <laughs> uh, how many times here we go <laughs> shouldn't have wound him up should I shouldn't have started that <laughs> Rattled the cage. <laughs> I, I have that ready to go on my list. I'm looking forward to that. If I ever beat Skyrim, I think Deus Ex is next. So it seems like then you're between Steve and Steve. The the pair of you are pretty uh, pretty split on which one comes out the best. It it does seem almost like it's it it's slightly dependent, a bit like FIFA and PES. What your friends listed, you know the what they're playing. 
you know, it's it's back to that leveling up. You know, whatever everyone on your friends list is playing is likely to be more of the draw for you because they're. I mean, they're ultimately social games. They've got cinematic first person, uh, cinematic uh, single player sequences. Um, but really, the draw is to continue leveling up and to continue to compete online in a social environment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I I wouldn't necessarily agree any more that it is about what your friends play. That's that's going to be relevant for some people. For me, I found in the last year my my lead gaming platform has become my PC. I invest a lot of money in in the money pit, as it were. Um, but I enjoy it, and I enjoy the more intricate side of it um, and the community we've got on AV forums that are into their PC gaming is brilliant. Um, it's the same group of guys that we're playing with every evening on Battlefield. Um, you know, people can share different um, settings and, you know, wh- how their uh, rigs compare to everyone else and what the performance of the game is. Um, and they're much slower, longer drawn out games. We've hired a server, so we're we're as a community in total control of of the environments in which we play. We can choose the maps, we can choose the variables, um, and I think that that really should be the future of gaming. Obviously, consoles are the the lead platform for most people, but when you see what the customization you can do and the control that you can have. Um, it just seems so much better to me. But I think you, you hit main factor, though, when you called it the money pit. Yeah. I mean, I've got a new graphics card arriving on Tuesday, which retails for about 350 quid. You know, you can buy two... You could buy a PlayStation and an Xbox for that kind of money. But to me, the difference in quality is night and day. And that's not to pour scorn on consoles or what they do. It's just that I feel I've reached a level now where I want that control over my games um and i want to see that level of of graphical eye candy something which you know you're not going to get with a with a console if i plug this into my big screen tv this is essentially a next next gen experience because i can sit there with a controller but i have all of the graphics power that i've had to spend all that money to see so you know essentially this experience is what someone a console gamer might have in 18 months, two years when the new consoles surface. Yeah, I mean... We're out of a recession. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that seems a good place to jump off then, talking about eye candy and the like, and Skyrim just come out. Um, Steve, you've been reviewing it. I know there's been a lot um, written about patches and problems and and graphical glitches and the like. Um, What were your thoughts about the game and... and, uh, do you still find those problems affecting it at the moment? Uh, well, it's it's an awesome game. Um, I've reviewed, played it, and reviewed it on the site um, on the 360. Um, there's there's a few problems on the 360 version, but I've I've heard and and read that there's a load of problems on the PS3 version. Um, I've not I've not had a chance to play it, so I obviously haven't bought it twice. I'm I'm not that uh, sad just yet. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's an excellent game. Um, it does everything that Oblivion did. It adds to it. You know, you've got your better NPCs. You've got your better storyline. Better interaction with the world. Um, the world itself isn't actually bigger than that it was in Oblivion, but you've got a lot more, uh, like more densely populated map. So you know, you can turn, you know, go left for five minutes, and you'll find some stuff. You'll find stuff more or less straight away, and you've got like five hundred yards to do. 
Um, it's a lot more engaging. I mean, it's another 100, 200 hours affair uh, to complete it and see everything, which you probably never will actually do because you'd have to play it and clear absolutely everything. Um, there is a handy feature saying you've cleared certain camps and mines, which is actually quite good for you know completionists. But I, I know I'll never actually see everything the game's got to offer. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot better than Oblivion was. It don't quite have the same effect as Oblivion did the first time. It's suffered a bit from you know like Fallout New Vegas did um, when it released after Fallout Three. Um, you've seen it before. You know the start, the intros, very much the same. I, I didn't really like the beginning sequence. Um, as I said in the review, it's a bit off, like odd paced. It's a bit too fast for the rest of the game. But yeah, um, if this is guaranteed, but you know, if you if you enjoyed Oblivion, you will enjoy this. It's it's a it's a big middle finger to the you know the game that keeps shoving and peddling multiplayer on single player experiences because this don't have it and it don't need it. Um, you know, forty pound you pay it, you could last two hundred hours on it, and it's more than value for money because you'll you'll play it more than once. I can guarantee it. We all you know characters leveling up and uh, abilities. It's something that you'll want to play again and again. Yeah, I mean, I I was absolutely hooked on Oblivion, and uh, it was. It was one of those games that kind of really sold the idea of, you know, next gen gaming to me. What was at the time next gen gaming? Um, the whole world that, where you can kind of walk off to a to a, you know, a, a hilltop in the distance or go to a mountain, and you can just literally walk for kind of what seemed like an eternity. I mean, you mentioned there, Steve, that it it's not doesn't feel quite as expansive. Um, does it fit? fill out though the game world i mean you know with um enough of a a woven storyline you know with the npcs and everything in between the the kind of um the combat and everything else i mean does it feel like a, a world that you could get properly lost in i suppose is what i'm saying oh definitely i mean there's you don't feel like you're talking to zombies anymore for a start i mean the characters you know as you walk past them they'll talk to you you know stop and look at you and you know talk to you like you're there rather than just like, you know, on a set sort of routine and path. Um, they all talk to one another as well. You can walk into like a big castle and there'll be like, you know, the chief of the barracks will be there set it, talking to like his soldiers, setting out battle plans and stuff. I mean, it, you could just sit there in effect and just listen to what's being said between all the NPCs without actually talking to them yourself. Um, there are a few missions where you, you know, side with, you know, the rebellion or the empire, not so much as New Vegas, where if you set foot in the enemy camp, they'll, you know, chop your head off at first sight but you know it is you, you can choose where you you know where you choose to go um there's you know your guilds there's no fighters guild i don't think in this one but you know you've got your sort of you know like uh thieves guild again that's quite a prominent uh storyline in there and you've got like um there's a wizard's college i think as well and you can even be a bard as well i think somewhere you know learn to sing songs and play music so you know you, you could just literally live in Skyrim if you really wanted to, I suppose. Anyone else got any thoughts about Skyrim there? Yeah, I I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. It's if 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 video games are escapism, then this absolutely nails it one hundred percent. It's not perfect. Of course it's got its glitches and other minor niggles and, and I was even having a little moan on the forum the other day saying I was bored in it. And then I realised I played 60 hours, 60 hours in, in one game and I haven't got anywhere near the main quest yet either. It's, um, it, it, it really does what it does so well. It's so absorbing and 
Um, there's so many different little storylines and quests that you can follow and it feels like a world I, I i didn't realize that the map's actually smaller than um the one in oblivion that's that's interesting because i haven't noticed that at all um and it's some it's just a game i can lose myself in for so long i, I really have been taken with it so impressed and you can get married in it so you could actually live there yeah <laughs> i had to <laughs> i had to ask my wife's permission the other day and said look uh, there might be a possibility that <laughs> I don't mean to upset you, but it don't mean yeah. You should hear it from me. It's a, it's a great game, and I highly recommend it to uh, to anyone who's you know any way interested in um, adventure games or role. In fact, even if you've been slightly intimidated by the role play game in the past and the whole magic thing, it it just appeals to such a broad audience. Um, and if you if you enjoyed Fallout, then you know you'll instantly feel at home in in Skyrim because it's it's just the, it's practically practically the same engine, um, even down to some of the uh, anim- the battle animations um, that you'll see. Great game, really great game. Steve mentioned when you're uh, roaming the the wilderness. I I playing as a as a wizard, as a mage, a destruction mage. So I make a habit of zapping absolutely every creature I see. If I'm running around, I'll blast it because the way I look at it is that um, by the end of the game, that, that that might be worth an extra five levels on my on my character. So I blast absolutely everything. And then I read somewhere um, that the foxes will actually lead you somewhere. So I've been holding off killing the foxes uh, and following them true. off. It's one hundred percent true because I've been doing it, and it, they lead Is you it? sure enough every time. They take you to a new location or a chest, or you know, so a, a point of interest. So, pro tip there: follow the follow the foxes. <laughs> well, my foxes have gone rogue. Mine never lead me anywhere. Maybe you, you <laughs> kill too many. Appearance, or I never see it again. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I that... killed a chicken in a village, and the whole village attacked me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, one chicken, one chicken. But no, as you say, that that kind of almost highlights just how engrossing the game can be but also how it's it's like a like a sandbox game in many ways you, you discover things and it, and it feels organic in the way that you discover things you know there's no way that you could realistically know everything that the game has to offer there's no way that you can know every little feature that's been been programmed in there without spending you know a fortnight reading guides and and forums and the like and trying to get every ounce of information you know it's there will always be something within that game world that will surprise you. And there's enough there aside from the central story for you to get lost in. But then if you, like you said, you know, you might get a little bit bored if you find that you've spent 60 hours without really touching on the main story, you can go back to it and just, you know, carry on from where you left off. I I totally agree. And there's, there's a, a quest very early on. This is maybe slight spoilers. So jump on ahead a minute if um if you don't want to hear but it it is relevant if you're a low level character now i miss this but a few people have um have found this early on but once it's gone i think it's gone i don't think you can go back and do this quest and it's basically when you're in white run um early on someone challenges you to a drinking game in a bar and oh, you yeah. you play this game and then the the next thing you know it kind of fades to black and you wake up the next morning with a bit of a head on the complete opposite side of the map and you have no idea how you got there and you're kind of just stuck out in this area of the map because if you're a low level character it's not easy to 
to travel around so much. So your game is going to go off in a completely different direction because you're starting quest lines in a different part of the the Skyrim world. Yeah, that just just uh, indicates how they can kind of change things up from from a traditional kind of linear way. From you know just by leading you by the nose, they can just change it completely. Depending on what direction you're going and when you do it, I mean, it, you, you know, quests activate. You know, depending on where you go on different times. So, if you would choose to walk, you know, west for ten minutes, you could find a quest. But if you walk east for ten minutes, you won't see it for another, you know, twenty hours or so. So it is completely, you know, dynamic in what it, it gives you and when it gives it to you. Yeah, and I should um, give a nod to the the mod scene as well on on the PC is is fantastic. Um, People have been exchanging um, basically the 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 launcher file for uh, the game is a, a text file which you can edit so you can actually go in and really tweak the graphics so if you have a really powerful PC um, you can really push the game and and get the detail and water textures um, looking really impressive uh, as more and more of these mods have come out the um, uh, the demand has been there for like a mod manager and Steam have announced now that they will have a mod manager um, launching in the new year uh, and basically you'll be able to activate mods onto your game um, dynamically through the Steam client which is fantastic news because some of these mods that people are coming out with are, are just so imaginative, so fun. Some of them are a bit daft but some of them are also game enhancing um you can replace moons with like the the death star or or the earth so when you're playing in game the weather cycles will reveal instead of the moons that they have <laughs> a complete different set of planets um you can change the the shouts in game to i think someone changed the default shout to this is sparta so you know, there's some really clever, interesting things that are going to mean this game has just a massive lifespan and enough there to keep people interested. There'll be DLC to come and no doubt modders will be able to create their own quests and their own um, DLC packs. Yeah, I mean, the, the PC game will likely last right through to the next instalment. I mean, there are people still probably playing Morrowind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And of course, there's renewed interest in it now because of Skyrim, so... Yeah, well, good stuff. Sounds like everyone's very much praising that game. Um, on to one that I gave only three out of five on the site, so I shall answer for that then. Um, Assassin's Creed Revelations. Uh, the latest from Ubisoft Montreal uh, seems to be coming out pretty much yearly these days. It's uh, released at a good time to make money for the studio. It's Ezio Alditore's swan song of a game. Um I was, I like it. I really, really enjoyed it in many, many ways. But I was a little bit underwhelmed by it. I, I think uh, the law of diminishing returns and uh, needless additions started to slightly uh, needle me to a certain degree. Um, I, I believe, Steve, you want to question me, and and then <laughs> you didn't pick this one up, but simply because I said so. That's right. I just... not, only that, not only that, but I sold Brotherhood, which I hadn't finished, because that I was... thought, well, I'm never going to let round to the third one. That that was a foolish decision, because Brotherhood was wow. excellent. The life of a reviewer, listeners. <laughs> There's only so many games you can fit in, isn't there? Yeah, but I, I felt genuinely guilty about that, simply because it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a good game, and as you like, 
you know, your stealth games, you, you went through Deus Ex without <laughs> shooting anyone. It's 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 the kind of it's game a first that first person shooter. Yeah, it's, it is. Oh, I, I shot everyone. Deus Ex isn't a first person shooter. Right, well, Assassin's Creed isn't in. a proper stealth game. Well, that that is kind of part of my point about this game, which is that Assassin's Creed now with with these additions, it's it's starting to move even further away from the core experience that made you know the first game so great. Or well, the first game was flawed. It was very much flawed, but it had the essence of a great game within it. It just needed to polish up, you know, certain mechanics. You know, you didn't want to jump off the side of buildings as much, things like that. You know, the combat needed to be tightened up. By the time they got to Brotherhood, it was a, a really great package with a lot of nice distractions. But as it felt, as it wasn't one of the main body of the series of the trilogy i i was got the impression that those additions were kind of being thrown in as happy little distractions but wouldn't necessarily be taken to the nth degree where they'll actually be impacting on, on the the core experience the the core gameplay which always was planning an assassination you know uh, trying to avoid guards and the like and then basically not really getting drawn into too much combat or, or too much distance work. I think they're trying to do too much now. I think they're trying to cram too far too much into you know the series when it's, like you say, it's going away from what it was originally based about. I mean, is there's like castle attack and defend sort of minigame on this one from what yeah. I've seen? I mean, I, I, I don't want that from an Assassin's Creed game. What's that in there for? Yeah, it, it's there's, there's a den defense minigame in there where you can... Uh, various waves, like like any standard tower defense game, you know, waves of attackers come towards you. Um, your strategic location, you know, you you place um, your troops around. I suppose you'd call it the map, but just basically along rooftops and the like, and and put up barriers and just try to stop the waves. It's, you know, it, it's a it's a fun little distraction. If it was on the iPad and it was free, I'd say you know someone should try it, but. For a you know a full priced game, it it just it feels like what it is. It it's tacked on, and the problem really is that the story doesn't really hold up that greatly. You know, it, all the previous games you could you could forgive uh, minor problems simply because the story was strong. This feels, you know, I don't want to say the word cash in, you know, but it feels like something that the progression of the story doesn't really warrant a full game. You know, well, I, I mean. Think... I think this is why I wanted to ask you is the, the the story has always interested me and I thought that was probably the best thing going for the game and I I played the first one and it quickly lost me. I thought the gameplay was too repetitive and just not for me and I abandoned it. And number two came along and I thought, okay, well I've heard good things and I, I played it and for one reason or another I got sidetracked. And then this trilogy started turning into just a saga where the the sequel then had its own became its own trilogy and it just it just seemed to go arms and legs and become this long over convoluted um series which really asked a lot of gamers i mean i i'm not sure that assassin's creed has got that big a following but it must be popular if they're releasing all these different iterations um and my question to you is have there been any amazing revelations in this in this game? Has the series been sufficiently pushed on that that it justifies it? Short answer: No. It it's one of those. It it's got the the strange kind of smell of of 
George Lucas's prequels about it, about a, you know a story that someone claims may have been planned all along, but in fact seems to be uh, kind of just moving along at, at, at someone's whim. Um, it's it 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 gives you an ending to Ezio's story, which is what why a lot of people will want to play it, but it takes away from the duality of having you know things going on in the past and then the animus and you know things happening in in the present day with uh, with Desmond and that's kind of the present day's pushed to the back to a certain extent it's still got the sci-fi angle to it but it's it's quite rare and that they're, they're really um those moments are only really explored in these weird kind of 3D platform levels with a voiceover over them kind of relaying the story and there are quite a few uh, moments where the story is, is really just told by you walking alongside a character. And that, that I think we've got to the stage in gaming where that's just just feels outdated now. Cop-out. It's a total cop-out. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you're, you're tied to a character. You think, well, either give me, say, uh, a full-blooded FMV sequence whereby you're telling me the story or kind of make me interact in a way in to, to make the, the narrative kind of spring out from the game world, but just to use the game engine and walk with this character while someone narrates something to you, it's it's a little bit weak. And sadly, the fact is, is that whilst it, it will give people the uh, an ending of sorts to Ezio's story, you could actually skip the game and you're really pretty much in the same position as the end of the second game. Really, I'll, I'll, we, I, you know, as someone who's looking in, as someone who's never really played the series properly, it was always clear that they had um, the first game. Then on Brotherhood, they uh, sorry, um, Assassin's Creed Two, they kind of struck gold with the Ezio character, really caught a lot of people's imaginations, um, and the 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 city was fantastic as well. Uh, and they'd improve gameplay to the point where suddenly people were like, actually, this is a great series. To me, then, it was obvious that they should have taken it to the proper Assassin's Creed 3, which would have been the present day game, um, and, and rounded out the series. You know, shoehorning in two extra titles seemed unnecessary, and it certainly lost gamers like myself. And it also kind of looks like Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 3 could have basically been Rainbow Six Patriots because it's on the same engine it's in a modern day setting you know the, the gameplay is the gameplay going to be that that different really it's an interesting one because they've got a they've kind of got to round off this series now because i really don't think that many people are, are, are that loyal to it no i mean they've got to round it off anyway because of it it's tied into the whole kind of 2012 storyline you know i'm sure they'll find a way around that in a in a kind of little bit of a bodge way but it's you know you, you hit upon uh with assassin's creed 2 when when you know with Ezio and and the setting they kind of hit gold i actually think that it was it's less necessarily Ezio, but the setting itself you know the i think renaissance italy just struck a chord with people it was something that you can kind of recognize um it they could pull in lots of different historical characters and like this one it, it's set in um constantinople or istanbul and and it just I, I don't know how much or how good everyone else's gcse history is but to be honest i i, 
don't really know how much is is drawn in from from general um you know from real facts and the like it, it it's hard to really see anything as being truly identifiable it's you know it's it's a fantastic city in many ways they've they've recreated but there there actually isn't that much juxtaposition between the different areas as they're they're felt in Italy you know you could go around fields and the like you know there was there was Venice and there was there was so much so much um so many different flavors to the environments they just kind of slightly missed now but i i still think that they've it, it's it's got a decent following and they'll they'll probably go out on a bang with a third you know it's still going to make money when's it due uh, it'll be, it'll be in a year won't it surely but haven't they done them all one year apart yeah so it well it should be but isn't when's the when did they tie in the end of the world was supposed to happen in the first was, i forgot yeah uh, tw- was yeah, that? Was 2012? 2012 or something? Yeah. yeah well, so then none of us will be around to play it anyway. No, exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> a waste of my time talking about it. Well, anyway, <laughs> I think that's as best a defence as I can really give about it. It, it. You know, I still gave it three out of five. It's still got all the elements that that really uh, kind of drew you in to start with it's just got a lot of bells and whistles and a weaker storyline if you can look past that if you can kind of uh you know forgive the slightly a lower low-esque italian accents and and some weak scripting then you know the the basic combat you know um some of the missions are, are, are very cinematic towards the end you know they're the level design again has gone down a little bit because there are certain times where where main enemies can simply be knocked into water or or you know it's pretty hard to actually fail certain missions but it, it's still you know it's still a solid game and it's still got enough there to draw in fans of the series it's just no longer a truly outstanding game that you would expect to be drawing in people who otherwise wouldn't be fans and that is my defense of my review <laughs> <laughs> right um from there on to ben you've been Playing a bit of Saints Row Three, I believe you're a bit of a fan of the series. Um, how's this one been doing? How is it? So, well, the truth is, I ha- I haven't played loads of the series. So I played the first one a little bit. I played the second one some, um, but I've been thoroughly involved with this one so far. Um, I think I've played about 15 hours or so. Uh, maybe a bit more. I'm not even that far through the story. I just spend quite a lot of time driving around. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the story is that the Third Street Saints find themselves in the new city of Steelport, um, where uh, they start off with nothing, effectively. They go from having uh, a brand uh, TV show, movie deal, I think, and loads of stuff down to nothing and have to work their way back up. Um the the gameplay is it is still I mean I don't think it's unfair to still call it a bit of a GTA clone. Um, it is in some ways. It's starting to look a little bit dated graphically. I'm playing it on the Xbox. I don't know how it is on anything else, but certainly on the Xbox, there's quite a lot of screen tearing. The popping is terrible. And, and sometimes if you're flying in a helicopter or aeroplane, you look down until you get you know, what seems like about six foot off the ground, you can't see, you know, you can't see a person standing there. But um, despite all of that, I think it's one of the games I've most enjoyed playing all year, which is causing me a bit of a problem because I'm, 
as people, anyone who knows me would say, I'm a bit of a bleeding heart liberal. <laughs> and, um, and I normally will moan at the first sort of sign of, uh, you know, kind of over the top misogyny, racial stereotyping, that sort of stuff. And this, all of that is what this claim is. Um, it's like GTA with absolutely no morals, no sort of satirical element. It's just nasty. Um, there's just there's nothing it there's nothing in it that's good and it it was interesting steve when you were talking earlier about claims as escapism and nothing more i'm not sure i really agree with that any more than i'd agree that tv is escapism and nothing more or books are escapism and nothing more some are um and some aren't but either way everything kind of has a cultural significance of some sort i think um but with this it's a horrible, nasty little game that I'm <laughs> thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying every minute of. Did we have a conversation about this uh, a few podcasts ago? We were talking about GTA and about how we would love to be a humorous, tongue-in-cheek game, but that ship has sailed now because Saints Row is firmly in the seat as that game. It's absolutely true. And um, so the the story, honestly, if I mean, I'm, I'm reviewing the game slowly uh, and I don't think I'll be able to relay the story to you now properly. I've made some notes, but even then I'd have to like, look back and kind of read through. It's, it's kind of insignificant. The characters are the weakest sort of stereotypes you could ever imagine. Um, the, the actual activities you do, the kind of quests uh, activities you do are, bonkers there's one where you're driving along and you've got a tidler in the car trying to bite you so you kind of lose control every now and then but the idea is you keep going there's one where you come out of an s&m pub and you're being chased by well glimps pulling chariots basically um it's just the most bizarre yeah it, it's it's completely divorced from reality and in some ways as far as the gameplay mechanics go that works an absolute treat so you can smash your car up completely that you've customized go back to your garage and there's a new one waiting there you can um you can be in a car that explodes or a helicopter and you'll survive um you can i mean it's just you can that they've really taken uh the the unrealisticness of the game to the to the extreme and it makes it a lot easier to play so cars handle flawlessly i actually think it's some of the easiest driving you could do because it's just not realistic at all compared with driving around liberty city in gta 4 this is a breeze you can be going you know full pelt and be in control the whole time uh shooting mechanics are serviceable i, I don't i genuinely don't know what it is about the game but every day i'd get home and i think i really want to sit down with saints row 3 and i think what it is is like my kind of general hatred of everyone around me in my life um you know my work everyone on the tube everyone on the bus it's really nice to go home and just punch strangers in the face sold no it sounds very much though like what a lot of people used to spend their time doing in, in the gta series yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. There's something... So I had some friends over the other day and we were playing it and they were all saying, oh, it looks just like San Andreas. And I think that's probably a bit... Un I don't think it looks last generation, but it doesn't look far off in all looks, honesty. looks good in the PC, actually. I mean, I've only had a quick game or two, but it, it does look good. Mm, maybe it's an Xbox. I mean, the screen tearing is terrible. I haven't seen anything like it in ages. It's all over the place. And... um. But yeah, but I, yeah, I think it's just uh, 
you really don't have to put any thought into it at all. You could you could easily slip, you know, entire cutscenes, um, or you could just even not take any missions and just run around beating people up on the street. So the um, the way it works is you've got your star sort of thing likely got in GTA for the police and you've also got another one for um planes that are after you as well to get rid of that rather than that you know that kind of convoluted GTA drive away and stay out of the red circle of the nearest police car with this all you have to do is go into any way you own and immediately everything just vanishes um so there's you can you can run around causing absolute mayhem, and at the moment where you kind of lose control of the situation, just run in a building, run back out, it's all over. It's just bizarre. Great, <laughs> it sounds perfect. It sounds almost like they've they've taken the ideal of a sandbox game and just decided to strip away any any of the the more game like elements about it and just you know allow you to to explore the world with with very few consequences. That's what it is. There are no consequences for your actions, more or less, at all, at all. And and it is something genuinely. I think I find it quite hard to reconcile because I'm normally, you know, I kind of I want games to aim a little bit higher than this sort of stuff. And I think GTA does. And GTA, is, you know, as everyone knows, is quite satirical and quite smart and witty. I mean, this has none of that. It's not smart. It's not witty. It's just a nasty. It's a nasty, horrible little game. And I wonder whether the the people. I wonder how that reflects on the people that make it, or whether they have just explicitly thought, "Let's go after this market." You know, let's, as you said, let's go after the people that played GTA to do this, and just give them all of the tools to do it with. I mean, yeah. either way, I love it. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm the review that I'm writing. I'm writing a very positive review about it see it, it almost sounds like it they've, they've made some kind of video game version of a stress relief toy or something yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's about right actually there's there's no, Ste- there's no st- limit. still be delighted you can kill chickens with uh, reckless abandon now yeah, yeah there'll yeah. be no one oh, no. you can kill old people on the street with reckless abandon if that's what floats your boats do finally excellent news excellent <laughs> news you don't know how long i've been waiting to do that for <laughs> Like, Mowing even, innocent people down in my course are excellent. <laughs> um, even down to the way... All right, so uh, one mission that I just did a little while ago, you have to go and uh, uh, grab some, supposedly rescue some prostitutes off some guy, um, you know, one of the rival lanes. And when you've rescued them, all you do is transfer them into the custody of like one of your mates to go and do... to. to to treat them in the same way you know there's literally no kind of good behavior in this from start to finish pimping ain't easy i've i've got the game queued up i'm really looking forward to playing it it's almost like the kind of the remedy to something like skyrim which is all quite deep and quite intense and very rarely is uh tongue-in-cheek so i'm excited yeah I, and I, I recommend it I, I recommend it to anyone even if um you know, it's it's not your sort of thing, or you haven't played the previous games. Especially if you've got something like um, on live. So I think they're doing a, a free trial of it, and I think there's a demo on the Xbox. Certainly, I don't know about the PS3. So it's well worth um, dipping in and having a look. In fact, the first five minutes, the opening sequence is is brilliant. I, I actually I completely stand by that as some masterful games making those first few minutes then after that you're kind of in it's fairly linear then after that you're into the the sandbox world yeah i mean i I think i don't know whether anyone else tends to have the same kind of thing but my 
my games collection tends to include at any one time. You know, it has to have like a, a decent sandbox game, something that I can go back to and just kind of put on without having to get drawn into a narrative or, or, or into, you know, into particular objectives or the like. I'd agree with that, definitely. Well, I think I'll just, uh, this will be my, my blow to sandbox claim for quite a long time to come. Is it something which would, would last? Is there enough to do in it to keep it going? Yeah, I mean, there's there's yeah, there's yeah, loads and loads to do. I've, what, I've, so I've put um, 15 or so hours in, I think. I've probably got through about 30%. Um, so, and, and it doesn't see, because it's weird. So the, way that, so the way it works is the main missions that you go through tend to unlock the... Uh, the kind of side quests that you can do. So you'll do a main mission that will take a particular form. Uh, for example, you might have to drive one person from one place to another and kind of, you know, defend defend them and defend the car and stuff. And then at the end of the mission, it will say, you've now unlocked all of these, this kind of mission that will appear around the map so you can just drive around and they all become side quests. And they're all more or less the same. But uh, there's quite a big variety in what the different side quests are. Some of those are utterly bonkers as well. I really don't know what they were thinking when they were making this claim, but it's working for me, so um, yeah, no complaints. It does make me think I'm a slightly worse person than I thought I was before, though. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you know, it's the kind of thing where you think, oh, if someone was watching me do this now, they would think I'm terrible. <laughs> if there was a Daily Mail reader sitting over my shoulder, you know, they would. I would just be like the scum of the earth. It's everything they talk about with GTA. I'm just running down the pavement, punching everyone in the face. Yeah, it's got no negative no press. I don't think I read anything about it. No, which is bizarre because this is everything they say about GTA that GTA isn't. Well, it certainly sounds like like an interesting one, and it's certainly one that I'm going to be. Given a go on Christmas <laughs> with the family round. <laughs> Is there any any chance we'll be considering it for Game of the Year? It's probably in my um, top five. Wow. Maybe top three. Wow, there you go. In a, in a year which has had Portal 2, Skyrim. Well, I haven't played Skyrim yet, so um, that's probably part of it. But, and, and also my memory only seems to go back uh, six months or so, so... But uh, yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about Games of the Year because I'm sure we'll be talking about that at some point. But yeah, it's definitely up there for me. Right. Well, that's the end of our Christmas podcast. We didn't get much Christmas content in there, but I'm sure everyone will enjoy playing Saints Row 3 with Grandma. Um... <laughs> <laughs> After slapping around the face. Yeah, all, that, all that's left is for me to wish you all a Merry Christmas and thank you very much to Steve, Stephen and Ben. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And to wish everyone who's listened a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.